Okay, let's get started with Parshas Va'era, Tashanayin Zayin, 5777, as we get into the Makos. Now we are deep in. Last week we started Sefer Hagula, Sefer Shmos, and now we get into the actual discussion of the Makos. We have the first uh, seven, and then the next three. Interesting, maybe next week we'll talk about why it was split up that way, why it happens to be uh, that in our way of reading, we have seven and three. But first we will start off at the beginning of our parsha. Hashem says to Moshe, And he says, right? The first Shem talk about what's the double Lashon, it's Vayedaber and Vayomer. Right, what did he say? What was the Vayedaber, which is a Lashon Kasha, and then what's the Vayomer? So Rashi already picks up on that. Vayedaber alokim al Moshe, diber ito mishpat al shehikshel daber velomar lama hariosa lama zeh. The first Vayedaber is just a reflection that Hakadosh Baruch Hu was somewhat upset about Moshe Rabbeinu at the end of last week's parsha, complaining that you know I didn't want to go in the first place, and you finally sent me, and things got worse. It's kind of like and I told you so. Hakadosh Baruch Hu, I didn't want to do this. Kodesh Baruch Hu says, that's not how you react. That's not how Geula works. But then, Hashem says, I am Hashem. So what does that phrase mean? Ani Hashem. That is used often in the Torah as an add-on, so to speak, to various uh, mitzvos, various averos. Right? We've discussed in the past, in the Pasuk of Lifne Iver, Lifne Iver, Lositin Michshol, Ani Hashem. And often Rashi quotes that it means ne'eman l'shalem schar, and that's exactly what he says here. Says Rashi, v'yomer elav ani Hashem, ne'eman l'shalem schar, I am ne'eman to repay reward, sachar tov, l'mishalchim l'fanai, to those that follow me. I take care of those that follow me. I'm, I'm, uh, I have their back. Right, Namalashalim Shar, Tovla Mishalchim Lafanai, that's what Ani Hashem means uh here. There is a story quoted, not in the Gemara, but in Rashi. Rashi and Masachas Nadarim and Davnun. I gave it to you in source number one, quoted from the Pinyat Torah, because it's just in larger print and uh in, in bold, but it's in a Rashi. The Gemara Nadarim there says that Rabbi Akiva got rich from six sources. There were six separate stories and events that made Rabbi Akiva rich. One of them is that he married a uh, father-in-law, right, Kalba Savua, as we know the story, that he married the daughter, and he went to learn for 12 years, and another 12 years, but f- at first Kalba Savua was very upset, who you're marrying, this shepherd who doesn't know anything, and eventually he gave him a lot of his wealth. That is one of the sources. But there's another source, and the Gemara says, it's the source of the woman. That's all the Gemara says. So what's the story? So we need Rashi. So Rashi there in Adar Dafnun quotes the story. And here you have the story. The story is reflective of HaKadosh Baruch Hu taking the care of those who walk in his ways. So we have the story of Rabbi Akiva and his students. Shepam Achas, Hutzruchulamos. One time they needed money. And they went to a certain woman who was a, uh, uh, known as a wealthy woman and they went to ask her to Borrow money. That's fine. I'll lend you money, but who's the cosigner? Who's the co- who's who's the guarantor? Who's the guarantor? You don't have you don't have any. So you know what says the woman? I have a great guarantor. God and the sea will be the guarantors. You know, the sea is not going anywhere. God's not going anywhere. Like Rashi quotes in the beginning of Azinu, why did Hashem say Azinu Shemayim? As far as Imre because the Shemayim and the Aris are always there. So she says, you know, God is the guarantor, and obviously there's nobody better. 
There's no, nothing better. Kabbalah, Rabbi Kiva's Manli Piron. Rabbi Kiva's like, okay, that's the deal. And he said it's time to pay back. When the time came back, there was a problem. Chala, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Kiva got sick. He got sick. He couldn't bring her the money. So what happened? He could have said the message. There wasn't any text, texting. So what happened? So the woman says, I want my money. Where's Rabbi Akiva? I guess he doesn't have the money. I'm going to go to the guarantors. I'm going to go to the Arev. So Halcha Osa Matronisa El Svasayam. She goes to the edge of the sea. V'yamran, she says, Rabbana Shalol HaLakadosh Baruch Hu. Galui v'yadu al-lefanecha. Sh'Rabbi Akiva Chola v'lohai v'yadu al-lefanecha. Rabbi Akiva's not here. The Lov is not here. And I don't even know if he has the money to pay. V'yatava hayama reven bedavar. You and the sea are the guarantors. Please pay up. Miyad. There was a, a woman at sea. There was somebody traveling at sea, and all of a sudden she got crazy, she lost her mind, and she took a huge treasure of gold and diamonds and threw it overboard into the sea. And the Yam took it to the Matronisa, and all of a sudden it washed up on the, on the banks of the water, and she sees, oh, it worked. Kaddish Baruch Hu and the Yam. They were the ones. They were the Arevim. And look what happened. Unbelievable. L'yavim Nisrapa Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva eventually healed and he came to the Matronisa to pay back his chov. V'yam Allah. Shalotichas Allah. Please, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry I was sick. I couldn't come and pay back my loan. Amr Allah. She says, don't worry about it. I collected already. I went already. Keep your money and guess what? There's extra. Because I got extra from the cosigner. So take it back. And from that extra money is one of the six places where Rabbi Akiva got rich from. But this is an a, 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 a illustration of Rashi. Those who follow me, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I'll take care of. That's Rabbi Akiva. But then here in the Pedidiyat Torah, he quotes a similar story from one of the, uh, from a Rav, Shabamachas, Ba'i Lav Yehudi, there was a Jew that asked him to lend him a certain amount of money. You don't want to go bankrupt, could you lend me the money? Hishai, Hiskim Rabbi Yeshaya, Lahavoslo, he said, okay, I'll lend you the money. But again, I need a, I need a guarantor. I need an Arev. Amalosi Yehudi. I don't, I don't know anybody. Shuzarbosuir, I don't know anybody. Vainli Makarimvi Yididim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows my, my, my situation. Right? There's nothing more that I could do. HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows that I'm honest and this is all I could do. So, this Rabbi Yeshaya said, fine, there's no greater Arev than Hashem. I guess he knew the Rashi in Masechas Nadarim. And he said, fine. La'achar chatishana, after six months, that Yehudi comes back to pay up his loan. It's Rabbi Yeshaya. Rabbi Yeshaya Amarlo. He said, no, 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 don't worry. You're Arev already paid. What? In this, in this generation, there was already a story like that? No. On the same day that I lent you money, I, I made an unbelievable deal and I made a profit. Obviously, HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent me the money. Don't worry about it. That's somebody with halachic glasses on. Someone who could have not seen the Yad Hashem and said, you know, you have to pay me back. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives him a present. Hashem uh, He says, it must be HaKadosh Baruch Hu paying back and you, my friend, can keep the money. So that's on the first Rashi. Okay. Now let's get into the next Pasik, which is discussed by Chazal already and by the Mepharshim. 
So remember, we know from Pasuk, the first Pasuk in the Parsha, which is Pasuk Beis, right? Isn't it interesting that our Parsha starts off with Pasuk Beis and not Perikva Pasuk Aleph? But as we mentioned, the Prakim that we have in the Torah do not come from Jewish sources. And therefore, we can't ask a kasha of, oh, why is it Pasuk Beis? Should it be wanted to start earlier? Okay. Well, we have the Psukim. We don't have the Prakim from, uh, from Moshe Rabbeinu. So, by Moshe. So Hashem spoke harshly to Moshe already because of, of what happened at the end of the Parsha. And then Hashem invokes the Avos. Hashem already invoked the Avos last week when he was speaking to Moshe Rabbeinu. But here he invokes the Avos and says, I appeared to Avram Yisrael and Yaakov. Bekel Shakai in the name with the name of Shakai, one of the names of Hashem. Ushmi Hashem Lonodati Lahem. But the name of Hashem I did not make known to them. So in this very pos- one Pasik, we have three different names of Hashem. Kel, Shakai, and Yudke Vavke. Three different names. And Chazal already pick up on that. That there was a different type of relationship, a different type of handling of HaKadosh Baruch Hu with the Avos' needs and HaKadosh Baruch Hu with Moshe Rabbeinu's needs and what was going to be with, with, uh, with Klal Yisrael. And again, let's read the Rashi and then we will expand on it. It says Rashi, Rashi, doesn't, I'm sorry, does not focus on the names of God, but still a difference between the Avos and Moshe. The Avos, they did not see the promises fulfilled fully, but you will eventually, but I will fulfill my promises with you, ultimately, the Bris Avos taking you out and building a nation. But, say the Mepharshim, says, Rav Yosef Nechem Yekornitzer, source number two, which we haven't gone to his words in a, in a couple of weeks, he notes that Shakai from the Gemara, Sha'amar Olam Dai. Shakai is associated with a few uh, elements, but one of them is the world, the natural world. Shakai, Shin Dalad Yud, is from Sha'amar Olam. Hashem says to the world, Die, this is enough. This is what I'm doing, this is the world. Hashem created the world. Shakai reflecting Teva, reflecting nature. Yudke Vavke, Shemi Hashem, that reflects. HaKadosh Baruch Hu Haya Hove V'yiyah. Hashem in charge of everything. Hashem even be able to perform the miraculous. Not an even for Hashem. For Misad Hashem, it doesn't make a difference. But from our point of view, Yudke Vavke is different than Shakai. So what Hashem is telling Moshe Rabbeinu here is, Shakai To the Avos, there weren't really so many miracles with the Avos. Okay, or Kazdim. But really there weren't many, any major miracles. I, I, that's, I was with them with Kel Shakai. Ushmi Hashem, Yudke Vavke, Lonodati Lohem. Yudke Vavke, the miraculous, I wasn't really with them, but that's about to change. Says of Yosef Nechem Yekornitzer, that's about to change. Vegama Kimosi, as Brisi Itam, La Seis Lamateras Kanan, as Ezra Gemshagaruba, Vechulu, and now tell them in Pasik Vav, as we keep reading, Vhotsesi Eschemitacha Sivlos Mitzrayim, Vitsalti Eschem Evodasam, as we'll get into that, Bel Hashem, in a couple of minutes, on a deeper level. But that's the secret of the Pasik. Hashem is reflecting that this is now going to be a change in the history of the world of how HaKadosh Baruch Hu relates to the Jews and the Jewish people. Right? Up till now was Shakai. From now on, but now we're going to have Yudke Vavke. But this change 
gives us a little deeper insight into the psukim that we read. It says of Yosef Nechemia. Again, this difference, and then it goes right into, Yisrael, it's going to be awesome. He says, maybe it's alluding to a halacha. There is a halacha that's much discussed in Hilchas Chanukah. We know that in Birchas HaMazon and Chanukah, we add in Al-Hanisim. Al-Hanisim. What happens if somebody forgot to say Al-Hanisim? So we know the halacha, that one does not repeat benching. Because the rule is, as Tosfa says in a number of places, if you have a chiv to eat bread, then if you forget, then you have to repeat benching. If there's no chiv to eat, like Shabbos, the first two meals, uh, according to all, and uh, Yantif. But on Rosh Chodesh, for example, there's no chiv to eat bread. So if, it, if I forget Yalav Yavo, there is no chiv to repeat. And al there's no chiv to eat bread on Hanukkah, and therefore I do not, one of the reasons I do not repeat. But the Ramah says, if I remember that I forgot before I finished benching, and I get up to the Harachamans, by the Harachaman Uyan Chileinu, there's a Harachaman that you can add in and add al there. What does it say? If you look on line number five, Yeshomrim, a quote from the Ramah, Yomar, a person should say, Harachaman, who Yasa Lanonisim, that's what the Ramah says. Add in that harachaman. The question, though, that is asked by the Bechor Shor and others, this is a little different formulation than we have in the regular Alanisim. And Alanisim had to start. No, thank you, thank you, thank you. And thank you, Alanisim, Yalapurkam, Alagviros. What does the Ramah say that we're allowed to add in by the harachamans? Harachaman who? Yaselanu Nisim? That's a tefillah for Nisim. All the Harachamans are prayers, are beseeching God. You'll have to ask for a nace. Find Alanisim in its normal place, that's thanking, that's the bracha of Hoda'ah. But whether Amaz says to put it in, so that's bakasha. Are we allowed to ask for Nisim? That's the kasha of the Bechar Shor. Right? Chazal say, Ein maskir ma'isa Nisim. Remember the Gemara in Brachis that uh, about Leah was pregnant with Yosef and the Gemara asked, how could she dive it for an ace and switch? Ma'isa Nisim. So, the, so many different answers given. But one of the suggestions given, and Rav Yosef Nechemia is going to relate it to Arp Sukim. One of the answers given, says the Yeshua's Yaakov, one of the great Achronim, in source number nine, is based on the following shot. The Medrash tells us on line 10, Al-Tira Avram Anochi Mogein says the Medrash that the Pasuk by Brisbane Abbasur, Hashem says to Avram, don't worry. What was Avram worried about? Al-Tira Anochi Avram Anochi Mogein Hakol Yodin Sha'anochi Mogein Everybody knows that I am protecting you. What does that mean? Everybody knows. Explains the Yeshua's Yaakov. The Gemara says in Masechus Tainus, line 12, If somebody has a nace performed for them, that kind of, we have to cash in. We have to pay for it a little bit. Some of our zchuyos, you know, it's not like free. Can't get a nace for nothing. So we have to give in some of our zchuyos. And that's that's how we pay for a nace, so to speak. But that's only a certain type of nace. A nace that happens to us privately. But what if it's a public nace? It's a nace that also brings a tremendous Kiddush Hashem with it. A sanctification of God's name, so then I don't lose anything. Kind of what we might call, it's on the company. It's on the company bill. It wasn't for me. It was for God. It was for the boss. And therefore, you don't lose anything by a nace barabim.
There's no worry. And that's what Hashem was telling Avraham. Don't worry. If everyone knows what I'm doing to you, you have nothing to worry about. So says the Yeshua's Yaakov first. This answers the, the kasha that we had on the Ramah. What kind of nisim are we asking for? You're not allowed to ask for a private nis. That nobody knows, because what, I'm going to cash in for some of our zechuyos? Who says what zechuyos we have? Who says if we have, uh, if we have enough assets, so to speak? But if we're asking for a nis, like the nis of Hanukkah, nis of Hanukkah is not like the nis of Purim. Nis of Hanukkah, whether it's Rabbi Mamiatim, whether it's the nis of the Pacha Shemen, that nase is okay. Mashenke may nase Hanukkah, but piersum. Shem is kadi shem shemayim al yedekach. Shem Hashem is sanctified mutterless palel. That's the issue is Yaakov to answer the kasha by the Ramah and Hilchas Hanukkah. Says of Yosef Nechem Yekornitzer, let's get back to our psukim. Let's understand the deep message that Hashem is telling Moshe to tell Klal Yisrael. Klal Yisrael might remember this, might know some of this. I appeared to the Avos in the natural realm. I didn't do open miracles for them. Because after all, to do some a private ace for someone, it's just going to cost them better not to. But let me tell you, Klal Yisrael, over the next year or so, there's going to be unbelievable nisim. Don't think you have to cash anything in. Don't think it's going to cost you anything. You know, they might say, we don't really have anything to pay anyway. But it might be on credit in the future. But either way, let me calm you down. As B'nai Yisrael see the Makos, maybe they might start thinking, Oh my goodness, God is doing so much for us. We're using up all of our, of our credit. We're using up all of our milus. It's all finished. No, no, no. Hashem saying, don't worry. It's on me. It's on me. And that's what Hashem says. And they don't have to worry. Why? Last phrase. Vidatem. Kiani Hashem Elokechem Hamotzi Eschem Mitachas Ivlos Mitzrayim. Everybody's going to realize it's me. And if anybody realizes it's me, Akidosh Hashem Barabim, then there's nothing to worry about. Tell them that these Nisim are for the good of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and not just for you. And therefore, they have to be seen in that context. Okay, moving right along. We have probably the most famous Pasuk in the Parsha, which we talk about every Pesach. And that is, as we just read quickly, but Pasuk Vav, we have, as the Yerushalmi calls, the four Lashonos of Geula. Or we'll get to exactly what the Yerushalmi says, Pesach Hashem, in a minute. So what am I supposed to tell God, tell B'nai Yisrael? Ani Hashem, again, repeating, The first word, I will take you out. And I will save you from the Avodah. I will redeem you. I'll take you for a nation, and I will be for you for a God. The four Lashonos of Geula. The Yerushalmi at the beginning of Arve Psachim discusses why do we have four Kosos at the Seder. Just a parenthetical Ha'ara to think about 
The Bavli does not ask that question. It's a mystery. Many times we have parallel Gemaras between Bavli and Yerushalmi. Here the Bavli, the Yerushalmi gets four different answers. Why are there four Kosos? Why did Chazal make four Kosos? And the Bavli is not even bothered by it. Doesn't even ask why do we have four. So that's just a parenthetical question, uh, food for thought, maybe to ask at the, uh, at the Shabbos table. But either way, we know one of the most famous Yerushalmi's, Yerushalmi says, why do we have four Kosos? Because one of the Pshatim, the first one is because of these four words. Because of the four words used here at the beginning of Parshas Va'era. But the commentaries point out that if we look closely at the Yerushalmi, the Yerushalmi doesn't say how the Yerushalmi is usually quoted. Usually Yerushalmi is quoted, the Dalid Lashonos of Geula. The four languages of Geula. That's not what the Yerushalmi says. The Yerushalmi says, the Arba'a Geulos. The four redemptions. Not the four languages of redemption. Four languages of redemption would have meant the same thing described four times. Four redemptions makes it sound like it's each word is telling us something else. We were redeemed four times in four different ways. What does that mean? So that is why many of the Mepharshim we discussed in the past, some of these Pshatim, we discussed Rabbeinu Bachai a number of years ago uh, relating to the four redemptions. This year we'll do one Rishon and one Achron. What are the four redemptions? Almost all say it was a process. Four redemptions means Klal Yisrael couldn't go from zero to a hundred overnight. We couldn't go and get the Torah right away. We were on the 49th level of Tumah spiritually. We, were, we didn't have the right focus. We had to go through a process of redemption. And that's why there were four stages of redemption. Does not mean four words that mean the same thing, four synonyms. As we know, there is no such thing as a synonym in the Torah. But here for sure, we have four stages of redemption. That is what the Yerushalmi is hinting to. What are those stages? So that's not so clear. One stage, everybody agrees, one of the words. We'll get to that. But the other three, there are many different opinions. Rabbi Bachai and the Svarno. And this year we will do the Svarno and the Nitziv. We'll start with the Svarno. Says the Svarno in source number three. Again, stage four is going to be the same for both, but the first three stages are going to be different. Lochena Marla B'nai Yisrael says the Svarno, one of the great Rishonim. Tell B'nai Yisrael and Yashem, Lachal Ela, Shalosh Asibos, based on what I spoke about before, which we're not doing, I'm going to take them out. Number one, Vot says Yeschemitachas Ivos Mitzrayim, Miyom Haschalas Hamakots, Yishkot Hashibud. Vot means end of physical labor. No more work. Says the Svarno, right when the Makos started, they stopped having to physical Physical hard labor. That's and that's what's meant by Sivlos Mitzrayim. Sevil is a hard load. And therefore, to be able to understand that, I'll take you out of the Sivlos Mitzrayim. Number one. What's number two? Avodasam, says Asfarno. That's Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Vihitsalti is physically going out of the land. So according to this, avodasam cannot mean, does not mean physical labor, it means their place of labor. Hatsala is removal from the situation. Number three, I will redeem you with an outstretched hand. That's, that's an outstretched hand. That's, 
That's visible. Right? But Tfiyas HaMitzriyim Bayam, Kamosheheyid, Vayosha Hashem Bayom Ahu. The Sfarno is reading the Pesukim closely. What does Sivlos mean? What does an outstretched hand mean? Ki Acharimos HaMishabdim, Lo Hayor Avadim Barachim. They were no longer Avadim running away. And finally, Velakachti Aschem Lila'am, Maimid Harsinai. So, stopping of work, Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, Kriyas Yamsuf, Maimed Harsinai. Those are the four Lashonas of Geula, which then makes it interesting to think about that we have four Kosos connected that all on the night of the Seder. Right? What happened on the night of the Seder? Only the first two. Right? Not even the first two. The second one happened the night of the Seder, and that's the night we celebrate, but we already invoke uh, what's going to happen in the, in the future. That is the Svarno suggestion of how to read the Pesukim. The Nitziv has a very different understanding. According to the Nitziv, all three, the first three, were while they were still in Egypt. Says the Hemekdavar, turning the page, says the Nitziv. He starts off by discussing why it has to be these four stages. He says, after talking about the four Lashonos, he quotes on line 14. It's obvious. Impossible to imagine. Imagine a whole nation that was into physical construction. All we knew was how to build. We didn't have any intellectual conversations too often. We, we, were, we were laborers. And overnight will become Milas Yisrael, God's nation. She roi lamod v'maymed har Sinai. L'kabel Torah. Overnight we would be ready to stand to hear God's voice. B'mora gadol shagilu shechina. Can't be. It has to be that we go slowly. V'yalkarchak v'yikidosh l'halos daito v'tsalmo shal adam la'at la'at. It's got to be a slow process. V'kachal yabi Yisrael shayu migushamim. That's an interesting, beautiful word. We were magushim. We were po- totally physical. Bitsuro, bedas. We needed the different stages of Geula. So what are they? The Dalashonas of Geula number one. Mitchila. Votesi eschemitachasivos mitzrayim. Shehu esek chomer ulevenim. Physical labor. Sheyatsu mizem ishashigilo makas arov. Not when the, uh, the makas started. But once they got to Makas Arov, so then we say, then we say that that's when the physical labor, that's when it start, that's when it, it, it stopped. As he's going to explain later. But in the middle of the Makos, that's when the physical labor started. They were still in the state of Meshubid La'avdus. They were still connected they were slaves. They weren't physically doing the labor, but they were slaves. Sha'az Hechel Lahokiris Yisrael. At stage two, what occurred? The labor has stopped, but now, says the Nitziv, they weren't looked at as Avadim anymore. They weren't called lowly slaves, and that was after Makas Barad. Both stages within the Makos. Number three. Right, we were raised up in the minds of the Egyptians, but we were still really servants if we weren't slaves. And the Melech was the Das. They were worried that they still have government over them. 
Ubamakas Bechoros, Higiolomailus Benechorin. Malach Maka number 10, they were Benechorin, they became freed, and that's the Goalti Eschem, Meavodasam, I, Abagadisam is Roanatuya, the Zroanatuya is not Kriyas Yamsuf, as the Svarno said, but Zroanatuya is Makas Bechoros. They're both. Major Zroanatuya, that is Stage number three, and finally, Velakachti, that's equal. That's equal to the, um, to the Svarno, Velakachti, that is, uh, Maimon Harsinai, as the Nitziv continues. Four stages of Geula, but four de- very different stages. All three, according to the Nitziv, were in Mitzrayim. According to the Svarno, it was later, including Sias Mitzrayim, Kriyas Yamsuf, uh, and, uh, and Maimon Harsinai. Okay, so we can think about that. Let's remember that a little bit when we get to Pesach. And maybe also the Nitziv's comment, besides Velakachti, those three are all about Pesach night. The process ending with Nitziv's Mitzrayim. So that's also maybe what, what pushes him to say that. Moving right along. Perak Vav base. So, Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu all of this, uh, all of this promise. Vaydabra Moshe came up in Yisrael. Moshe tells Bnei Yisrael, Veloshama Moshe, they didn't listen to him. They were out of breath, they were working hard, they didn't listen. New speech. Hashem tells B'nai Yisrael, and what happens? They can't listen. Hashem tells Moshe, Go tell Paro, let my people go. Moshe says, it's not going to work. B'nai Yisrael didn't listen to me. How is Paro going to listen to me? What does B'nai Yisrael have to do with Paro? Rashi quotes, this is one of the ten Kalvachomers in the Torah. If B'nai Yisrael don't listen to me, surely Paro's not going to listen to me. Who are, you, who are we kidding? What exactly is the Kalvachomer? B'nai Yisrael like me, and they don't listen, so Paro doesn't. What's the Kalvachomer? Asks the Elahab Davar, Rev Schlesinger. We discussed this six years ago, but I thought we'd re- revisit it because it's something very, uh, very, um, important and significant. Says the Elahab Dvarim, what, I don't understand this Kalvachomer. B'nai Yisrael had a good reason not to listen. The Pasuk said so. They were being subjugated. They were being suffering. So they're suffering. They're not gonna, and they just got worse. So they're not going to listen. What does that have to do with Paro? Paro's in the palace. Paro's on his throne. They're in very different situations. There's no one Kalin Chomer here. I don't see what's the Kalva Chomer. Says the Elad Varm on line four. Nitan lahafricho. You could you could ask on the Kalva Chomer. Moshe. The pasuk says it. Sibos Paro. Right? It didn't even apply to Paro. So what exactly is the is the Kavachomer? Question one. Question two asks the Eila Hadvarim. Question two. Last week's parsha. Hashem tells Moshe, you're going to go to Paro, you're going to ask him to let the Jews out, and all of a sudden Moshe says, but what am I going to tell the Jews? Who told Moshe to go to the Jews? Hashem tells him, go to Paro and get the people out. Moshe all of a sudden asks, you know, but what am I going to tell Am Yisrael? They're not going to believe me. What does, what did B'nai Yisrael have to do with Paro? Hashem wasn't sending Moshe to, to tell B'nai Yisrael anything. 
he was sending them to take them out. So once Pyro gives the, gives the okay, he'll go to the Jews and say, okay, it's time to go. He didn't tell them to go to Bnei Yisrael. He's acting on the Jews' behalf, that's true, but he didn't have to go tell them anything. You might call this Zachin La'adam Shalom B'fanav. So, number one, what's the Kavachomer? Number two, why did Moshe assume that he would have to go to the Jews before he went to Paro? Maybe a third question could be the beginning of the answer, says the Eilah Hadvar. There's another Medrash at the end of last week's Parsha. Line number 15. Rashi quotes there, Para was upset. He doesn't want the Jews to even think about redemption. Doesn't want the Jews to talk about it. Doesn't want them to think that they're going to go out and make sacrifices. Why was Paro so worried about that? He was, wor- he was really worried about a rebellion. These lowly slaves, that's hard to believe that Pyro was worried about, you know, they were going to fight. It seems like they were just worried about the talking. I don't want them to talk. What did Pyro care? Who cares? So explains the Elad Dvarim Venera line 20, Mikani Sargado Bechinach. You see from here a Yisod Gadol in educating, educating students, educating our children, educating our friends, or influencing anybody that we want to have influence with. La'olam ein efsharis l'shachneya acherim be'ezeshehu davar im ha'meshachneya atzma o'shulchav eino meshuchnaim ba'atzmam b'tzidkas advarim. It is impossible to convince anybody of anything if I'm not convinced myself. If I'm not on fire, there is no way I can light somebody else on fire. I have to be so convinced myself of whatever I, whatever I'm doing, if I believe in it with all my heart, then I stand the chance. Then there's a chance to be mashpia on those. Am Yisrael, Olam Yisliach, Moshe here is acting on behalf of Klai Yisrael. He is their shliach. Hashem is saying, go for the Jews. If the Jews don't believe in Geula, there's no way it's going to happen. There's no way Moshe, as their shliach, is going to be able to influence Paro of anything. Right? All hashpa'a starts with the mashpia. Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky writes in one place that the word mashpia is from the word mishupa. Mishupa means slanted. Mishupa. Because so, that's how hashpa'a works. If I'm something, that it could, it could trickle down. It's slanted. It'll flow down. That's what hashpa is. You can't just like give something if I don't have it. Hashpa is from Meshupa. It's a slanted roof. The rain's on top. It goes down. Says Rabbi Yaakov. Says the, the Eladvarim, Bechein, Rav, More, Balmusser, Darshan. Anybody. If I believe in it, then I could, it could, it could hit the, hit the target. Bechein, Ava, Machanechas, Yeladav, a father educating his children. Lalechas, Baderachinuchit, Musiyemes, to try to go in a certain educational path. He will never be matzliach if he doesn't believe it in himself, in what he's doing, and the truthfulness of his endeavor. Moshe Rabbeinu is told, you are going on behalf of the Bnei Yisrael to Paro. Moshe realizes, if I'm going on their behalf, they first have to be convinced of it. And therefore, he assumes automatically he needs to go to the Jews. And if that's the case, we understand why Paro, Paro knew this also. 
Paru knew that the roots of redemption start with the people thinking about redemption and becoming convinced that they can be redeemed. That's why it bothered Paru so much to have them involved in even discussions. In B'nai Yisrael they don't believe it. That's the Kalvachomer. If the ones who are sending me don't believe it, then of course the ones who I'm trying to influence and convince. Because first we have to be Meshuchna, and then we can be Meshachneya. And therefore, that's the Kalvachomer. That's why Moshe assumes that he has to go directly to B'nai Yisrael first. And that's why... Uh, Paro was so worried that they were going to uh, talk about it then and be convinced. Line 37, That's why in last week's parasha, before he went to Paro, he goes to B'nai Yisrael to convince them to explain to them and if they would be convinced and they weren't convinced at the beginning. So forget it. That's another reason why we needed all the Makos. To convince them. Once they start seeing it, so then it will be able to work. Got some allergies, but uh, Shem Yazor. Okay, moving right along. Let's re- review something that is much discussed. We discussed this nine years ago, but now we're going to relate it in a different way. Probably one of the top two or three thoughts, well-known thoughts of the stipler that we have on Chumash, but uh, let's review it again through the eyes of Rav Pincus who quotes the stipler but generalizes it to apply to our life. We know, second Makkah, Tzvardeya. What, how exactly did the Makkah of Tzvardeya work? So we know the Pasuk tells us in Peraches, Pasuk Beis, the beginning of the Makkah of Tzvardeya, the Aaron takes the stick, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't do it, Hakar Satov, Vayet Aaron es Yadol Meimei Mitzrayim, Vata'al HaTzvardeya. The frog comes up, but the chazas eres mitzrayim it covers Egypt. The chartumim also did it, and they brought up the frogs. They call the Moshe Aaron, and Paro says, "Get rid of the tzvar deim, the chulu." Ask Chazal, what do you mean there was one tzvar that came up from the water, and then later on Paro says, "Get rid of the tzvar deim." Was there one Ubangus frog, or were there many frogs? So Rashi quotes the Gemara. Rashi quotes Svardeya Achas Oisa. There was one frog. They were very upset and angry, so they kept hitting it to get rid of it. But every time they hit it, either little frogs kept jumping out of its mouth, or it kept splitting and dividing and redividing like a cell out of control. But it kept dividing and dividing. That's the issue. So, ask the stipler in the Birchas Peretz, a very well-known thought, and that is, every time they hit the frog, they saw that there were more frogs, and more frogs, and splitting of the frogs. Take a step back for a second. Hello? Stop hitting the frog. Stop hitting the frog, and then there won't be any more frogs. But no, you keep hitting the frog, and you keep hitting it, and then there are more frogs, and more frogs. Elama, what's going on here? Says the stipler, that's anger. That's kas. When somebody is angry, they're not thinking. They're not in control. It's not logical. He's still here, this frog, he doesn't leave. I'm going to hit it again. I'm going to hit it even more. He he doesn't even know what's coming to him. I'm going to hit it more and more and more. But ultimately, and now this is Rapinka's talking, what are you doing every time we hit the frog? 
we're really hitting ourselves. Every time we think that in anger we are affecting someone else, it's really boomeranging and the only person we're really hurting is ourselves. Every situation of anger. Think about it. And this is so hard. We all have trouble with this. Right? In every situation, we lose it. Imagine if somebody insulted us, whether it's a coworker, whether it's uh, somebody who cut us off on the road, whether it's a child, whether it's a parent, somebody insulted us. Imagine if we wouldn't answer. If we wouldn't answer generally, all that, like the Ramban says in the Igaris, hopefully, in many cases, it would die down. And the whole thing would stop. And it would be gone. Ava, but what happens? I have to scream. I have to answer. And then what happens? I get into a fight. So what did I just do? I just made it worse for me. When I screamed at him, then he'll scream back and back and forth and back and forth. So really, when I act in anger, ultimately, the person that I'm affecting most is myself. And every time we do that, we have to think we're hitting the frog. And it's becoming more frogs. And, and you know, one would think that isn't it logical to stop, to not to need to get the last word in? Wouldn't that make sense? But we can't. You know, if you think about it, says the Rav Pincus, it's not just the frogs. Every maka. If the Mitzrayim would have let us out and not been angry with us and at God after each of the Makos, they would have saved themselves from a lot of pain and headaches. But they kept hitting us. And every time they hit us, they really got hit themselves. They brought it on themselves. Their own stubbornness. If they would have been nichna and nishma, if they would have stopped and thought, God is doing this, they would have, they would have stopped. They would have been able to let us free. But that doesn't happen. Line 22. Every one of us. Something little happens. Every little thing becomes a maka. But we have to realize it's given to us. Right? It's given to us for, for a purpose. It's given to us for a purpose. And he says at the end. Somebody says something against me. Somebody cut me in line. Somebody cut me in line. It's the end of the world. Somebody cut me on the road. We just have to think about this and realize it's not just the frogs. It's us in so many situations. Whenever we act in anger, we're really only hurting ourselves. Okay, moving right along. Says Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky. Says Rabbi Yaakov, if we think about the Makos, he says it's on Paraches Pasek Dalet. But if we think about the Makos, we know the ultimate purpose of the Makos is and was to bring about a recognition by the Mitzrayim. If we would ask, did it work? Did the Hakara work? Did they, did they believe? So we might answer, yeah. When? When did they believe? So one might say, Makos Bechorus. Maybe, maybe Choshech. Right, because that's what the Torah says. Right, they 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 went to complain, and Bazi is a lot of lamokesh. 
Choshech, maybe after Maka number nine. But says Rabbi Yaakov, if you reread Parshas Va'era and Bo very carefully, there's a process change the entire way. The whole way, there's a process of recognition by the Jews also, but by the Mitzrayim. We see their different, we see Paro's reactions and the Mitzrayim's reactions throughout. Where do we see this? Let's read Rabbi Yaakov at source number seven. It wasn't just to get us out. If Hashem wanted to take us out, He could have just taken us out. But why do you have to do each of these different types of makos affecting their water sources, affecting their uh, animal supply, affecting every different area of their society, ultimately affecting their families? Because it was about teaching them emuna and ashkacha. Ube'emes, line 8. Ro'imanu asatoelas bimaka lamaka. If we look carefully at the reactions of Paro and the Mitzrayim after each maka, there's a change. There's a slight movement. And that's how the message might be on a different plane whenever we're trying to inspire or be inspired. It's a process and it's a slow process. Little movements. That's how things happen. And if something happens in one fell swoop, it's probably, if somebody flips very overnight, it's probably not going to last. It's only when things happen slowly and steadily. Okay, after Dom, nothing happened. But that's the beginning. Tzvardeya, come, come, come. I promised to let him out. He already offered. He didn't do that after Dom. After the second Maka, okay, fine, just get rid of it. Okay, I'll let him out. He said it even though he didn't really mean it, but he still said it. That shows there was some movement there. Okay, I'll let him out. Not really. Not. Right, next. Right, Arov already, maybe he started thinking. Because what happens? He says, okay, fine. Give Karbanos here. He didn't offer that earlier. So first there was nothing. Then there was, okay, but not. Now, okay, stay here and give karbanos. Eitzalmaka's barad, kfar hakir cheto. By barad, he already said, okay, I sinned, I sinned. But he only said it at the top, but he really meant it. But after the plague was removed, it didn't last that long, but he meant it at the time. Basha'ekein ba'arbe. Arbe next week's parsha. Kfar desratzel shloach. Then he says, okay, the men could leave. Well, we're getting somewhere. If we look closely at the Psukim, we're getting somewhere with every Maka. Until there was no more Makas, no more choice, until he ran us out of the, of the country. But if we look closely, as we see the Makas, it wasn't that they didn't believe anything until the end. It was a process, like any state of recognition. One of the pshatim that is given, there are so many different opinions given, how old was Avraham when he recognized God? Some say three. Some say 40. The Rambam says 40 in Hilchos Avodas Kochavim. Some say 52. Right? That's why I say Avraham was born in 1948, and then the year 2000, 52. Different opinions, but the real pshat might be that it was a process. He started recognizing God at three. It continued as he got older. It continues as he got older. And at 48, that's when he started spreading monotheism throughout the world. Because belief in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, deep understanding and belief is a process. Okay. Let's have two more thoughts. 
one on the Parsha, and one related to this Shabbos. If you look closely in the Psukim now, in Perektes, now let's move on to later in the Parsha, Perektes, Pasuk Vav, and Pasuk Zion. Says the, says the Torah. Vayas Hashem as a Dover we're talking about Dever. The animals died. The animals died. Pestilence. All the Egyptian animals died. And from the Mikle Bede Yisrael, Lo Meis Echad. What does that mean? Not one died. Lo Meis Echad. Next Pasuk. Vayishlach Paro. Vihine. Paro sends. What does he send? Just sends. Sounds like he sends to the Jews. Vihine. Lo Meis Mikle Yisrael. Ad Echad. What does that mean? Why did it just say Lo Meis Echad? The previous Pasuk said, we make it Yisrael, Lomais Echad. The next Pasuk says, Paro sends, and he sees from Mikra Yisrael, right, Lomais Ad Echad. But he got very upset. What's the difference between Echad and Ad Echad? When it describes what happened, it says, B'nai Yisrael didn't lose any, Lomais Echad. And when it says, when Paro checked, it says, Lomais Ad Echad. What's Ad? Ad makes us think, oh, Ad. Ad v'ad v'chlau, Ad v'lo'ad v'chlau. Right. What is the Adachad? What is that adding? Says the Maral Diskin. Rabbi Shulay Diskin, he picks up on this. And he says, there's a difference. The Yeshlom are source number eight, on the left side now. The Yeshlom are the Khan, Ratzalomar, Advaload, Bechlau. Really? One animal died. One Jewish animal died. Avalparo, Nishar, Deecha, Benamik, Nemes. Who? What's going on here? What the Pasuk means, says the Maral Diskin, is that Lomei Sechad to the Jews, they didn't lose any animal. They didn't lose any animal during the Makkah of Dever. One animal died, but they didn't lose any animal. When Paro went to check, Lomishar Adachad. Adachad, a similar Lashon is used by Kriyas Yamsuf. Adachad, Medrash says that Paro lived, and he saw all the destruction. He wasn't killed. All the Mitzriyam are. So Adachad, there was one that died. What do you mean there was one that died? Below Mesachad by the Jews, says the Maharal Diskin. Suggests. Line 7. It could very well be that every ten animals of the Jews, one had to go to Paro. They had to give one to Paro. Meiser. That was the tithing of the king. But if I only have nine animals, then I'm putter from giving. Suggests the Maral Diskin, one of the Jews' animal died. Right? Let's say each person, let's say one person had ten, he lost one. But Lamaisa, the Jews didn't lose. Because that was going to Paro. And Paro didn't gain. Because the animal died. And that's what got Paro so angry. What does the first Pasuk say? Lo Mesecha, nothing died. It doesn't mean nothing died. It meant that the Jews didn't lose anything from the animals. Lo Mesecha. The next Pasuk says, when Pyro went to check, Adachad, one of them died. My animal, the one, I lost all my animals, Pyro's thinking. Okay, th- I have at least one coming from the Jews. No, that one died. The one animal in Goshen died. And then he says, that's the Remez in the Pasuk, the difference between Echad and Adachad. Okay, one final thought. All the sources on the back really um, are about this week's, this Shabbos, which we have a special Shabbos Rosh Chodesh Shvat. 
Shabbos and Rosh Chodesh. Just one Dvar Halacha, it's Rosh Chodesh. I gave you, as we know, Mitzvah Laharbos Besudas Rosh Chodesh. There's no obligation to eat uh, a meal on Rosh Chodesh, but it's a mitzvah to be marbet. In the Suda, and the Mishnah quotes the earlier Achronim, that it's always good to have something special on Rosh Chodesh. So if it's Shabbos Rosh Chodesh, we should try to have something usually that we don't have on Shabbos. Something extra special, this will be the Shabbos Rosh Chodesh food. Something unusual, something that we don't usually have. Good. But there's a connection to the Parsha as well. There's a connection to the Parsha. Let's learn together a Chassam Sofer. Says the Chassam Sofer in the Taurus Moshe. Towards the end of the Parsha, by the maka of boils, the maka of shrin, the Pasuk says that the Khartoumim were unable to stand in front of Moshe because of the boils. They couldn't. They were itchy. They had to leave. What does that imply? That up until this time, they were able to stand in front of Moshe. Only one shrin came around. So that's when, oh, I can't be here anymore. Up until that time, Damas Radea Kinim Arav Dever shrin, they could stand there. Write the first five. Meaning, they could stand there, but they couldn't really do anything. Remember from Kinim? From the time of Kinim, they couldn't do Kinim because too small, Rashi says. Magic doesn't work on something so tiny. They did the Dam, they did the Svardaya, they couldn't do the, they couldn't do the, the Kinim. What about Arov? Says the Chesab Sofer. Well, what were they going to do by Arov? The land was already full of every wild animal in the world. How could they prove anything? They're all there. Vini Harov lo Harov. Goshen. What, to bring animals to Goshen? What do you mean? Moshe didn't bring animals to Goshen. So what, they're bringing animals? No, they could, they could have bring animals. They would say, oh, Moshe could have do what we could have do. We're equal. So what were they supposed to do? There was nothing. So that's why Arov, they couldn't do anything. So Kedem, they could Dam Svardaya, fine, they did. Kedem, they couldn't do. Arov, they couldn't do. Dever. Arba, they, were, they couldn't stand there. What happened by Dever? Why couldn't they do Dever? They couldn't kill animals with their magic? Why was that so impossible? Right? The first two they find, they did. Kinim, we know, was too small. And then Arbe, there was nothing to, uh, Arov, there was nothing to do. Arbe, they couldn't stand there anymore. What about Dever? What about the pestilence, the animals dying? Why couldn't they do Dever? Ach, Kasha. Bedever, Kasha. If Amdushav, they were standing there, right, only by Shechin, they had to run out. If they were standing there, my time alone, Nisu, Lahavi, Dover, Lamekne, Yisrael. Why couldn't they? Says the Chassam Sofer something that is special for this year. Shabbos Rosh Chodesh. What's going on? The Gemara says in Mesechah's Rosh Hashanah that the Makos, that the Rosh Hashanah Batla Ha'avodah. There are a few things that happen in Rosh Hashanah. One of them is, I gave you the Gemara, source number 12, top left, right? Rosh Hashanah Batla Avodah Me'avusinim B'Mitzrayim. On Rosh Hashanah, the first day of Tishrei, they stopped working for the Mitzrayim. What does that mean about the Makos? So, Tosfus there says... Really, the Makos started six months earlier. This was in the middle of the Makos. The first day of Tishrei was in the middle. The The Makos were for one year from Nisan. But not until the middle of the Makos did the Avodah stop. Says the Chazam Sofer, I'm sorry, but I beg to differ. 
I think that, I don't think that's correct. I think the Makkah started on the day the, the work ended. Remember, we had one shot before, the Svarno and the, the Nitziv. When it says the first day of Tishrei, that was Dam. Dam was the first day of Tishrei. It started, the Mishpah, when the Mishnah in India says it was a year, that could be counted from before the Makos. When Moshe started coming to Paro, let my people go, it's gonna, the warnings also are included. But let's figure this out now. So the first day of Tishrei was Dam. We know every Makkah had a warning and a week. There was a month in between. So first day of Tishrei was Dam. First day of Cheshvan, Tzvardeya. Right? Because the Medrash says, Be'makko, Makkah, Yechodesh. And then, Revi'is, HaChodesh, Shibsha, Makkah, V'chulu, V'chulu. Kinim, Rosh Chodesh Kislev. Tishrei, Cheshvan, Kislev. First day of Kislev was Kinim. Arov, Rosh Chodesh Teves. Dever, Rosh Chodesh Shvat. So Dever started on the first day of Shvat. Let's continue for a minute, because he says, I can work out the rest. Ulefizeh, you have to add in another month for it to work out. It must be there were two Adars that year, says the Chassam Sofer. Shonamu Uberes, because then, Dever is Shvat. Shchin, right, is the first Adar. Barad is the second Adar. Arbe is Nisan, and then we know Choshech and Makas Bechoros, they didn't have a month in between. That was right beforehand. Right, we have Rosh Chodesh Nisan is Arbe, that's what the Ramban says, Choshech is Samach Pesach, and then they went out on, on, uh, right at Makas Bechoros on that, the 25th, the, the 15th of, of Nisan. So one second, says the Chsav Sofer. We just worked out when the Makas were. They started on Rosh Chodesh Tishrei, they ended on Pesach. We know this is the next step. Step one was working out these dates. Step two, we know that B'nai Yisrael went out on a Thursday. We know Pesach that year, Yitzhak Mitzrayim was on a Wednesday night, Thursday. So if you do the math, working backwards, with the Rosh Chodashim, Rosh Chodesh Shvat was on a Shabbos. Just do the math. He works out the math. Rosh Chodesh was on a Shabbos. Why is that significant? Says the Gemara in Mesechah Shabbos. I'm sorry, Mesechah Sanhedrin on Dafsamachay. On Shabbos, magic doesn't work. Ov and Yidoni, right, the, uh, one of the, uh, Rishaim asked, Turnus Rufus Arash, asked Rabbi Akiva, why is Shabbos, what makes Shabbos different? So, there are three things Rabbi Akiva tells, uh, Turnus Rufus, how do you know it's Shabbos? Number one, he says, this river goes upstream. Another one is, Baal Ov does not work on Shabbos. Says the Chassam Sofer, you know why they couldn't do Dever? Because it was Shabbos. It was Shabbos Rosh Chodesh Shvat. They couldn't do Dever because their magic doesn't work on Shabbos. So if you just do the math, we said, Dam, Tzfardea, they did. Kina, they couldn't do, it was too small. Arov, what's there to do? All the animals were there. Shechin, they couldn't stand there anymore. What about Dever? Why couldn't they do Dever? They were standing there because it was Shabbos Rosh Chodesh. Shabbos Rosh Chodesh Shvat, just like this Shabbos. And that's why they couldn't do it. So I'm so fair, putting everything together, unbelievable. That is how to appreciate this year that we have Rosh Chodesh on Shabbos. Okay, we'll stop here.